0: You're listening to the Paleo NP Podcast, episode number 28. Welcome to the Paleo NP Podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of marthaflorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at marthaflorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey everyone, just a quick note on this episode. We do talk about some sensitive subjects, so this might not be the best episode to listen to if you have small or young children around, or this might be a great time to pop in your headphones or save this episode for later. Welcome back to the Paleo NP Podcast. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different. I've got Stephanie back with me today, and you might remember her from way back in episode nine, um, but this week, instead of an official interview, she's really more like my co-host. Um, Stephanie reached out to me a while back with, and suggested an episode kind of talking about some mental health things, so we're here today to talk about mental health. And I'm not going to make Stephanie tell her whole intro story again, but why don't you just go ahead and give us a quick intro for anyone who doesn't know you from our first episode together.
1: Thanks, Martha. Um, I share over on Instagram at Cleaner Stephanie. Um, you and I met through Instagram. We're both nurses. Uh, we're both dog moms. <laughs> and uh, similar to Martha, I like to share my take on eating, living, and um Overall cleaner. Well,
0: that's why you're cleaner, Stephanie. Yeah, I, I hate
1: that name now, but nevertheless, it's it's there. So, <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! All right, so that was a men- pretty bad
1: intro, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's weird talking about yourself.
0: It is. So, mental health is a really important topic that seems to get a lot of media in times when something bad happens which is actually kind of how this whole conversation got started and then everybody sort of forgets that it's supposed to be something that we talk about and then we go back to talking about other things and then something else bad happens and everyone posts the number for the suicide prevention line on their Facebook pages again and I guess that's not necessarily a bad thing but I feel like this kind of more this deeper conversation about mental health really gets lost in the shuffle and that's kind of true for people who suffer from mental health issues too. Like they just kind of get lost in the shuffle until something bad happens. And that's not really going to fix anything for anybody. So I know that we both have kind of had our own struggles with mental health, which is part of the reason why we thought it was important to talk about this. And I think some of the recent events um, with some of the more highly publicized suicides have been kind of weighing on both of us. And it was just important that we kind of talk about our own Our own struggles in the context of how to to kind of come out on the other side and be okay with that. Um, I suffered from depression pretty badly in college. Um, I was on medication for a really long time and I think I finally came off of it the year after I graduated and I feel really fortunate that I haven't had to get back on my medication, Um, but there's definitely been a few times in my more recent past when I've considered it. Um, I think that after my mom died in December of 2015, I struggled a little bit more with my mental health, which seems really obvious, Um, but it's also been really sneaky, which is kind of where things get a little bit dangerous. So obviously, immediately after somebody that you love or care about dies, it's really hard it's hard to process those feelings and it would make sense not to feel like yourself and even to suffer from depression. That's pretty common. But then my thought was always, but then it's supposed to get easier. Right. And I think that's true to a certain extent, but then what makes this whole situation more challenging is that the longer it's been since that thing happened, the more stealthy it is and the harder it is to identify some of those feelings. Yes. Because it's no longer immediately obvious that they're related to your grief for your loss of this loved one. And talking about this, it seems like a totally obvious question is why does it matter what's causing the feelings? And I think that in some cases, it probably doesn't matter, like the feelings are the feelings. But in other cases, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but it's easier to move past it, which is important to move past those feelings. But it's easier to move past it when you understand where it's coming from. And it's funny. So I definitely didn't acknowledge this even to myself, that I was kind of feeling depressed and I'm going to be completely like open and honest about this. So like I was not and this is very recent. I, I didn't acknowledge to myself that I was feeling depressed at all. And it was actually a post in my Facebook community, Um, and Stephanie, you commented on it and this is kind of what sparked this whole thing for me. So I made a a post apologizing for not going live when I said I was going to go live about a challenge that we were doing because I was having a really serious, like introverted situation. And I was like, I just don't, I just can't. Anybody there. Yeah. Anybody who's an introvert (laughs) some days, you're just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And the idea of like trying to form a sentence for the benefit of somebody else is just not going to happen. Mhm So and you you made a comment that gave me just a huge aha moment, and all that you said was that you hope that it lifted soon. That was all that you said, which is so simple and so kind. But this is when I realized that I had even hes- I hesitated to even acknowledge that I wasn't gonna do what I said I was gonna do when I said I was gonna do it because I didn't want a response like that. I didn't want people to say nice things to me or say that they were sorry or hope that I was feeling better. Because I truly believe that I'm fine and I don't want to waste, I don't want people to waste their energy and their sympathy on me. And it Mm -hmm. was then that like the lights turned on and I was like, that's, that's depression. Like that is depression. It's Mm -hmm. not always feeling sad, but sometimes it's not telling people how you feel because you don't want to inconvenience them. And you don't think that your feelings are important enough to warrant sympathy from others. And that was just like this huge moment for me where I was like, that's, that's, that's what depression is it was,
1: it was crazy. <laughs> like you said, I'm just nodding over here. Like you said, it can be very sneaky and you can have a veil
0: mm-hmm. and you're just
1: not seeing things clearly.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because one of the things that I always try to talk about with people and that could be patients or any friends of mine or anybody who's just talking about their feelings, especially if they're not positive feelings is that it's okay. Like feeling your feelings is okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're ta- to not really talk about them. And especially some of those messier feelings like grief or sadness, um, even some, sometimes anger, we're taught to just not talk about those. And I think that somewhere al- along the way got translated into there's something wrong with feeling them and you shouldn't feel them because everybody's always trying to feel better. And we need to acknowledge that you feeling your feelings is important and it's okay. And I don't think we do that enough. Yes. I mean, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to not feel like talking to anybody. It's okay to cry about how you're feeling. But I think the important thing is that you acknowledge it and you accept it and then you move past it when you're ready, which again, can be way more complicated for somebody who suffers from depression or anxiety or any other mental health issue. It's not necessarily that straightforward, but I do think that it applies to all situations to just kind of like feel your feelings and, and move through that when you're ready.
1: Agreed. I think it helps you validate them. And then you're able to make peace with them and then move forward. At least that's been my experience. Sometimes I don't need grand advice or anything like that, but I just need to hear myself process what it is that I'm feeling internally.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. My um, boyfriend always jokes that like I come from a family of complainers, like we're Scandinavian and apparently we complain a lot. (laughs) But he jokes jokes that the, I think he said to one of our friends, a solution is not always the answer. So, like, you're, I'm just because I'm complaining about something doesn't mean that I want, I don't want it to be solved. I just need to to complain about it. Say it, yes. It's kind of the same thing with feelings. Like, you just need to feel the feelings, and you need to mm-hmm. kind of have a way to talk it out or feel it out and validate those, and then just kind of yes,
1: on. yeah. And I think that's when the lifting happens. You know, like, and that it's so funny because I totally forgot about that Facebook post and, and, you know, you didn't mention it before we started recording, but, um, you were validating and acknowledging the feeling that you're having. And then I think it's, you know, starts to lift.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So I know that you have a lot of thoughts about all of this too. Um, but do you want to just share a little bit about your story with mental health and kind of why this is all important
1: to you? Sure. Um, on and off since about age 16, I've had, Um, issues with depression and anxiety and won't, you know, do that deep dive, you know, the high school and college, but parents had a very dysfunctional divorce and, um, you know, just, just stuff. We all have it. Right. And then um, even after college in my mid twenties, I remember going through, you know, a down period. And then more recently after I had my son, Benjamin, um, who was born with um some medical needs and then later developmental delays um i really was was having some ptsd and i did not realize it um until i spoke with a social worker which like they made you go to this follow up appointment after you've had a child in neonatal intensive care so i'm just like telling her how i can't walk by the elevator shaft that was up to the nicu um the sound of the beeping IVs on my floor because I work as a nurse was triggering for me and she called it out and you know said that it was PTSD and I had no idea that that's what what that that that's why my heart was racing I was having a very physiological response to something that was very emotional for me um so that was my first experience with that type of issue with mental health and then again more recently uh two years, about two years after Benjamin was born diagnosed with autism. Um, I was just in a real low, low and not myself at all. And that's actually what sparked this whole cleaner, Stephanie cleaner living approach. Um, and I joined a bar studio. I did a 30 day paleo challenge. I felt so much better. And then since then it's about been two years of still ongoing, you know, journey of, of sorting out what's best for me. But I, I know I definitely feel better mentally and emotionally since, um, changing some lifestyle things. And then this past, um, spring in the month of February, I lost one of my best friends from high school, um, Jeff, and he was just a very formative friend. We were best friends for my first job and he died of, um, stage three cancer from diagnosis to his passing was less than a year, so it was really fast. And I work as an oncology nurse, and I've lost many people in my life and in my career, but never someone my age or you know appear, and that was so close to me. So it was really tough spring for me, um, and I definitely have you know been in a depression um, until more recently. I was able to pick myself up by the bootstraps. And actually a friend of mine, um, we all went out to dinner, just a bunch of girlfriends. And I just broke down in tears when someone asked me how I was and a friend nudged me at that time to seek seeing a therapist and she totally normalized it. And she made it like so cool. She was so cool about it. And (laughs) the next month or the, you know, take some time to find someone in your area, but I started seeing a therapist and it's only been three visits, but I can't tell you just that validation piece of processing, losing my dear friend, Jeff, some of the ongoing things I've had with my son, Benjamin, and just life on a whole and relationships in our lives that are complicated and messy. And now I'm learning things to put in my toolbox to be a better communicator. And it's just made a world of a difference.
0: Yeah. And I think that your point about PTSD is, is, you know, I think we get this, this idea that PTSD is something that happens to people who have had, you know, severe trauma or, you know, veterans, people who have been, you know, in war zones. And I think, I mean, obviously that happens, but I think that quote unquote, normal people like you and me can also have those things happen without a truly traumatic experience. Just listening to you talk about walking by the elevator, like, I have yet to be back to the hospital where my mom was when she died. I worked in a hospital for six years. I just, it's like, I just can't. And it, mm-hmm. it I have no, there's, I, I still get heart palpitations when I drive by it. It's right by my dad's house. Like I, I it's, it's a weird thing and it feels totally irrational when you realize what's happening. And mm-hmm. sometimes you don't even realize that it's a big deal. Yes. You know, like that it's, that it's bothering you. You have no idea that you're avoiding something until someone, until someone says something.
1: I think it's subconscious because we live with this trauma and these stories and these things that have happened to us. And then we have defense mechanisms to help us survive. So we stuff them in a box, but they're still there. And when you drive by the hospital or you walk by the elevator, you know, your heart starts racing. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So
0: what, um, you had some ideas that you wanted to share about just things that kind of helped Pull you through this tough time. Um, Do you want to talk about some of that?
1: Sure. I thought it was interesting. My therapist said in those with depression, there are two things that can help really lift that. And one is being productive, and two is connection. The productive piece, I realized I sort of did on my own. After Jeff died, I totally just went inward. I was on a major social media detox. I didn't post for months um, anywhere and it it freed up some time and I did some things and I spring cleaned my house like crazy and I purged and got rid of so much stuff. And so I was very productive without even realizing it. And then second connection. So having that dinner with my girlfriends and then uh, coupled by another, my sister's uh, bachelorette, Um, on Cape Cod and just being with the girls that have known me my whole life and my sisters. And there's just something so genuine. And truly when you are with, you know, very good relationships in your life, whether it's your spouse, your dog, your girlfriends, it releases oxytocin. And that's the feel good hormone. Mm -hmm. When we feel connected to somebody, it's the hormone, you know, the sounds whatever, but when the orgasm <laughs> when you work out and mm-hmm. when you breastfeed your baby. So just being with, you know, the people that get you and you can be vulnerable with and truly connect with is huge. And I'm so thankful. I have a great group of friends in my life, you know, to help me.
0: Yeah. And I think that piece is really challenging. Um, because like for me, I didn't I'm such an introvert that like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. People wanted to help. They wanted to do something great. But like, I just was like, like, I don't want to see anybody. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. And I think part of that was, I I don't know. Like I, I wanted, I almost felt my mom was suffering terribly when she was in the Mm -hmm. hospital. And I felt a huge sense of relief, honestly, when she died. And that, that makes me feel guilty a little bit. And I think it was that piece because people expected me to be to be a certain way because I was because of this loss, and that's not necessarily how I was. But it was because I felt this huge sense of relief that almost made me just like I just don't want to I don't want to talk to people because I don't want to have to explain myself. But I think it's really hard sometimes. It, it, you know it, having those people that you can just be with is important, um, and I think that definitely helps the situation. I definitely agree with that. Um, yes. sometimes it's harder. It's, it's harder than you, you know, you just, you're, you said you went inward and got productive. Um, and that, that's definitely my tendency and it's not to reach out to people or to even respond to people who are reaching out to me, which is not necessarily the best way to go about it, but you know, to each their own and you've got to do what you got to do.
1: Yes. And there's ebbs and flows and there's, you know, times when I did not respond in a group chat for a long, you know, Right. but, um, yeah, and I've been there with the guilt piece that you talked about, not with that particular type of situation, but feeling guilty about a situation, like things with my son and wanting so badly that this, you know, particular situation like today that I was buying him diapers at almost 4 years old, I wish that wasn't. And then you feel guilty for feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like we get caught up in our own shame storm then, which is not helpful either. So stopping it before it becomes a full blown on storm. Yeah. But those moments happen where I'm like, Oh God, I just spent $120 on diapers and most kids have been potty trained for two years now, but it's fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everybody, like you said, everybody, everybody has their own story and we can't get caught up in that, that shame storm because where would we be like what? Yes. It, It doesn't do any good for anybody.
1: No, you just buy the diapers and you change them in the parking lot and <laughs> just <laughs> laugh at yourself about how white trash this is.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah, and the other thing I want to say about connection is that, um, you know, you don't have to reach out to people if, you know, if you if you don't want to be like, hey, I'm feeling really sad, like that doesn't have to be how you connect with people. I sometimes when I'm feeling not so great, but just like I've been craving that connection lately, which I'm sure is is there's something to that as well. Sometimes I just text my two best friends with something random and we just have banter back and forth and that's enough to kind of move through whatever I'm feeling rather than being like, hey guys, I feel really crappy right now. Like help me out. It's just that yes. you know, normal conversation that can help kind of pull you out of that.
1: I love that. Absolutely. I text my best friend about The Bachelorette when I <laughs> when I need a little break from my life. Yeah. We usually send each other ridiculous news articles. (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah.
0: And do you, so do you want to talk a little bit more about therapy? Um, because I think that's really important. Um, you did mention that the person that suggested that you, um, look for a counselor or a therapist really normalized it for you. And I think that's huge because Mm -hmm. it just like talking about mental health, like it's okay. Basically Mm -hmm. everybody in the world could benefit from a therapist. You don't have to, you don't have to knowingly be suffering from any sort of mental health condition to benefit from therapy. Um, And I often refer patients just to have somebody to, who's not in your inner circle of friends who doesn't know you, I mean, they know you have a relationship with them, you know, a professional relationship with them, but they're not like involved in your family things. They're not involved in your daily life. Um, Just to have the outside perspective to kind of shed some light on things sometimes can be huge. Um, yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with that
1: and just what that's been like for you? Sure. It was kind of classic. Like the first time I went, I totally sat on the couch and then instantly started crying, <laughs> but I didn't know how badly I needed to release that. Right. Um, and I had been holding it in for some time. So, um, I would love to suggest a podcast episode, um, on the healthy maven, most, Pretty recently she had, and I will find it out so you can put it in your show notes. Okay, Um, She had a therapist on, and she's on Instagram too. And my sister sent me the episode, and it really just, again, normalized it. And um, there were some great um, pearls of wisdom from that podcast. Um, It's brand new to me, so I'm not that well-versed, but I can tell you it's helped me a lot. And I'm so grateful for my friend who kind of nudged me.
0: Yeah, that's great. I, my experience with therapy is from when my parents got divorced when I was in first grade. And I think, I don't remember, I don't think it was mandatory, but it was, I don't remember how I ended up going, but it was like, you have to go, you have to go to therapy because your parents are getting divorced and you're, you know, you're nine years old and who knows what sort of impact this is going to have on you. I refused to talk about it for weeks. I don't even think that I ever, I think we finally quit therapy because I just wouldn't, Talk about it. I was like, I'm fine. I don't have anything to say. So that's my, I I probably could benefit from some now, but that's my (laughs) previous experience with being a therapist.
1: My best friend, the one that I text about the bachelorette, she's a child's therapist. Mm -hmm. So again, a whole area of specialty that I'm not that familiar with. But um, now that I'm a mom, I was just walking with my neighbor and she has her daughter who's in fourth grade going to um, a therapist to work through some social anxiety. So it's pretty prevalent and common. The thing is we don't really talk about it. It's kind so of the I'm really same glad. We're-
0: yeah. It's kind of the same thing. I was talking with a friend about this with miscarriages. People don't talk about mm-hmm. them, but that's yes. like the kind of thing that if you have experienced it and you start talking to your girlfriends about it, pretty much everybody who's ever tried to have a baby has experienced mm-hmm. that, but nobody wants to talk about it. So nobody, there's, there's no sense of, of, um, camaraderie or sisterhood or whatever until you start until you like really need it so badly that you talk about it with somebody that you wouldn't necessarily talk about it with. And they say, oh, that happened to me too. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's another one of those things that we just really need to normalize because there's no shame in it. It's not nobody's, it's nobody's fault. Yes. Things things happen and we need to talk about them or we're Mm -hmm. all going to end up in a bad place. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. And the same with medication, um, which I think that also warrants just a quick, a quick like, you know, if you and your healthcare provider decide that medication is what you need, if you're depressed, um, if you have anxiety, that if that's the best option for you, I know that on, at least on this podcast, like I talk a lot about not going the conventional route with medications and things. And that's, that's, you know, a personal choice. Um, but if you need medication and you feel like that's the right choice for you, that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. There's no shame in it. And Also always know that it's not necessarily a permanent thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had plenty of patients and I know of plenty of other people who have been, I was on medication temporarily. It was just kind of like a situational thing. And eventually I thought, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to try to go off of it. And I did. And I, like I said, I feel super fortunate to have not had to restart it again. There have been Mm -hmm. times when I'm like, this is the, this maybe I may need to restart some medication because this is just not, this is not happening the way that I want it to. I don't feel good. I can't, I can't snap myself out of this, but I have been fortunate not to have to do that, but it's okay if that's not how your story goes.
1: I 100% agree. When I was two years postpartum and I saw my doctor because I was rock bottom, not feeling well. Um, she wrote me a prescription for two things, vitamin D and Zoloft. Mm -hmm. And at that time I needed it because I really, was not myself. And so I started it. And then I asked her, you know, I've heard a little, you know, thing about cleaner eating. Is there any truth to that in your experience with your patient population? And she said, um, anecdotally, yes. Um, By all means, give it a try if you want. And that's when I did the 30 day paleo challenge. And I did feel better. And I ended up starting and quickly weaning off of the Zoloft. But I was really glad that she offered it at the time because I was desperate and I was grateful to go to CVS and fill that script because I thought I was doing something to feel better. And then um, secondly on that piece is genetics. So my father has type 2 classic bipolar, um, Mm -hmm. pretty significant, and he really benefits from his medication. And it's been – trial and error, you know, trying different things over the years that have worked and then not worked. It's really hard to find the right balance that where he feels himself um, and his symptoms are managed well. So I also have that history of, you know, for the past 15 years helping to manage my dad. And then my mom, my just genetics are awesome, um, has like major anxiety and addiction. And so, yeah, it's, you need to do what's right for you. Um, whether that's medication or not lifestyle helps all of that, whether you're taking medication or not, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have similar genetics. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all?
0: Yeah. My dad, my dad's family or my dad has pretty significant depression, which is actually, he's gotten that he's so much better now and is actually Mm -hmm. talking about weaning off of some medication, but we've done some pretty significant lifestyle things to help him with that. Nice. Um, yeah. And my dad's
1: my, doing a whole 30 right now.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I haven't sorry. my dad there yet. Not yet. <laughs> We're getting there. We're baby getting steps, there. baby <laughs> steps. Um, he doesn't drink soda anymore, which is like huge, but he's also, I mean, to his defense, he is underweight. Like he's over six mm. feet tall and underweight. So like he doesn't fit the classic, like, needs to go on a, any sort of diet or cut sugar, but yeah, another story. Um, <laughs> and then my mom's side of the family, there's some definite, um, addiction issues there. So that's mm-hmm. like a huge, it's a, it's, it's a genetic disaster. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's amazing that we, that I, I feel like I'm, I'm impressed that I made it this far. You know, <laughs> sometimes I look back on some of the things that I just had to deal with as a kid, like as a, you know, 10 year old kid. And I'm like, gosh, how did I turn out this way? How did I get this far? And am as okay as I am. Cause I could be so much worse for the wear. Yeah. It would have been so easy.
1: My sisters and I joke about that all the time, how like, well we turned out and I yeah. put that in quotations well, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you know, I think too. you, um, there's like gold in that trauma and, mm-hmm. and in those cracks. And so there's a great analogy that I'm told I just totally botched, but I will find it for you okay. um, about that. But, anyways, using and learning from those experiences and then rising above and knowing what you don't want mm-hmm. to manifest in your life, I think is also really powerful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other, I was going to make another point about um, medication, and that was. I don't remember what it was anymore now, so I guess I won't make that point. Maybe it'll come back to me. <laughs> this is what happens when you only get like four hours of sleep because people are setting off fireworks at yes midnight in your neighborhood. The poor pups. <laughs> I know. Um, so uh, burnout is another
1: thing that you had mentioned. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, recognizing the signs of burnout, and for me, that's kind of like when your internal thermostat is like turned up, and you're finding yourself. Um, overwhelmed or more flighty. I find my attention is scattered. um, And those are the times that I need to take a break and I need to slow down and take three deep breaths. Um, So that's been helpful for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important um, because... I mean, even just in the context of health in general, like we burn the candle at both ends. You and I talked about this in our original, um, in our original episode, um, which is kind of how you ended up on this whole journey to, you know, healthier living, um, your whole 30 paleo challenge. Um, but you know, we, we want to, we want to have it all. We want to stay up until two o'clock in the morning and get four hours of sleep. And, but we also want to feel good. So that piece plays into it too. Like you can't burn the candle at both ends, be healthy and have good mental health. Like something's going to give. And honestly, your mental health and your health are the two things that give out first and whether you recognize it or not. And just, I I think for me, kind of when I just like can't deal with things anymore, when I'm like, why is this so hard? This shouldn't be this hard. Mm -hmm. Is kind of like when I'm like, okay, something I need to stop and take a step back. Is any of this really that important, right? Like prioritize, you know, feed yourself. Do you need, can you feed yourself today? Sometimes mm-hmm. that's all you can do. Um, mm-hmm. but I think just knowing that recognizing any sign that something is going the wrong direction versus mm-hmm. when you're like, I got this, like, I'm just trucking along. Like I could take on the world and knowing that that changes really quickly sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Cause I think that a piece get- about the sleep. Um, and I had written this down in my notes was my Fitbit. Yes. <laughs> um, and what you track becomes accountable. That's been my experience. So in our first episode, I talked about budgeting, and I've done that faithfully now for almost a year on YNAB. Um, Fitbit, I've been not so much the steps, um, but my sleep and trying to aim for that, you know, seven to eight hours sweet spot, because I can totally be that girl that stays up too late, and then can't get up in the morning, you know, because you're trying to, You're tired and wired and, you know, trying to be quote unquote productive, but it's really not. And sleep is the most like restorative thing we can do for our bodies. Um, It's something I would really like to work more on.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. And I, I mean, I talk about sleep all the time on everything Mm -hmm. in everywhere that I, everywhere that I go, sleep is like a huge thing for me, but I also know that sleep is my defense mechanism. Um, I do remember now that you're, now that we're talking about this, when I was in college, I slept. A lot. Like I Mm -hmm. would just, I would go to sleep. It was like, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle whatever was going on. And it's all, all of the things that I was dealing with when I went to college were, are so trivial to me now, which it just seems completely ridiculous, but it was the reality of the situation at the time. But Mm -hmm. I would just, I would sleep. And I noticed when my mom died, I did the same thing. There was, I slept a lot and it's just Mm -hmm. like, I mean, that's when your body repairs itself. So I'm sure that there's some sort of you know, physiologic reason for that, that you kind of just, it's part of that retreating into yourself and just your, it's like your body's way of saying like, Hey, you need to take care of yourself, but it is sleep is so important. And tracking your sleep is also important. I don't have a Fitbit, but I use my Garmin watch, which tells me whether I slept for four
1: hours or whether I slept for eight hours. Cool. Um, which is great. Just thought of something I wanted to mention. Um, for me, when I, and depressed or, or just not, you know, mentally, um, in a great place, like everything feels overwhelming, including like eating healthier (laughs) and cleaner. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like a huge, you know, hypocrite. So for me, just starting small and doing some gentle meal prep. And I know that word can give people anxiety meal prep, but, um, one system that's worked for me, you know, when I am thinking about, um, you know, trying to get some healthier options in the fridge so it just becomes a non-negotiable and there's less decision fatigue because I go in the fridge and I have something made. So I aim to do three things. One is an entree like meatballs and spaghetti squash, for example, one is um, soup. Um, there's like you know a couple of go-tos. Um, I have a chorizo kale sausage one on my blog that I love, and I can put it together in 15 minutes. And then um, number three is an easy button meal, and that's something that's like already prepared, like broccoli slaw. You know, tonight I had just had that with um, some great salad dressing and dried fruit, and so just something that doesn't take any prep. So one entree. One soup and one easy button in the fridge. If I have those on hand, it makes it so much more attainable. Um, So that's been a good system that's worked for me. And then also, unrelated to food, um, usually you start the episodes with something that you're into. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And it's for me lately, last time I said Headspace, I still really like that. But um, someone, a couple people mentioned yoga with Adrian. And I love it. It's on YouTube. Her channel has multiple videos from like a five minute to 10 minute, you know, morning stretch, um, to yoga for nurses, yoga for service people, waitresses, like all these different topics, anxiety, depression, um, focus. So I just wanted to plug that as well.
0: Absolutely. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, and, and I think another, like another thing that, this is something that I use with my patients, but I also started using it. Well, I started using it with myself, and then I started using it with my patients. And it sounds so incredibly cheesy, especially for my male patients. I tell this to them, and they just roll their eyes. And that's journaling, but not in the sense that you're like writing, you know, dear diary. Today I whatever. Like I kind of adapted what I recommend from the Artist's Way, which is a book for creatives, um, and it's most I think it's mostly for writers, but Her um, method is that you get up in the morning and you write, you have to write three pages of just whatever, whatever comes to mind kind of stream of consciousness writing. And her, you know, she says three pages every day and you basically can't do anything else until you've written your three pages, Um, which is not how I recommend it. I always say, you know, write as much as you want, take 10 or 15 minutes and write as much as you can. But the point is, and for some people I even suggest, like you just get a crummy spiral notebook, and you write you know you do your 10 or 15 minutes of writing and then you rip the pages out and you throw them away or Mm -hmm. you burn them or you do whatever you need to do to just get them to just make it go away and that's really helpful for people especially with people who have anxiety um because it's that physical act of getting it out of your head onto paper and then away it goes yes and and the artist the way the artist way does it is um i think she just says toss the notebook when you're done like the point is not to go back and read it the point you're not making you're not writing it down to keep it forever, to, to go back and refer to it, you're writing it down just to get it out of your head. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's gone a long way for a lot of people. Um, I found it useful to, to kind of just work through some of the like such trivial things that have just, you know, those like nagging things that bug you. And you're just like, Oh gosh, like I don't even want to talk to anybody about this cause it just mm-hmm. seems so
1: dumb, but it's weighing on me. Um, so I found that really helpful. That's cool. Thank you. I'll check that out. Um, this year I purchased a um, a planner that has some journal prompts. It's Danielle okay. Laporte. Mm-hmm. I'm holding it up. It's also really pretty. But I love it because um, I love the idea of writing three pages of, you know, your consciousness. But I also know I'm, you know, just what you have time for and, right. and what's feasible for you. So I like this. And I haven't even been, you know, that accountable with this um, all the time or consistent with it but she has soft journaling prompts within, you know, your daily schedule. And so three things, I just love it. Gratitude, mm-hmm. um, things you want to change, things you want to stop doing. And it just gives you a you know, few lines to write. So it's been really helpful, things to envision, um, reflect upon. So it kind of helps me then have something to write, write about.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And that's something that, that I know people struggle with when you tell them to journal, they're like, what do I write about? And especially Mm -hmm. men, like I've recommended journaling to several men and they're like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Which is where the, which is where the like, write whatever comes to your head and then burn it kind of gets them going, right? Like they understand that it's just man brains are different than (laughs) male brains. Um, But gratitude is another really important thing, um, especially when you're not feeling particularly grateful. And Mm -hmm. that is also a practice, right? Mm -hmm. Because it can be really hard to sit down when you're feeling terrible. It can be really hard to sit down and think of three things that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that it's important to keep practicing that. Um, even if you come up with one thing, it's like you come up with one thing and then the next day you come up with another thing. And then eventually you're like, Oh, well maybe there's two or three things. And then pretty soon you get like pages and pages. So Mm. it definitely comes because you learn to recognize it. Sure. Um, but if you don't if you don't have that practice you you it 's hard, um, but I think that's important to just even at, before you go to bed just write down one thing that you 're grateful for um, even if you don 't feel grateful it can be i 'm grateful for coffee i 've written that mm-hmm. down many times <laughs> i'm just like I, nothing else sounds i 'm not grateful for anything else
1: yes I would love to to try doing that one I bet too some of like the less obvious things come through Yeah, you know once you cycle through all the big ones and then um I think when you're open, Mm -hmm. then you start noticing the gifts and the signs and the moments where I've totally felt Jeff, you know, and Mm -hmm. just funny things like that, like that Walmart diaper story I was just talking about earlier Mm -hmm. was the Walmart that Jeff and I would tool around in like at high school, the 24 hour Walmart and like steal chapstick from. And like, as I was walking back to my car, I remembered that memory, but when you're open to it, I think that's when those signs come through and, and you can channel that gratitude and appreciation.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I also think that, um, just kind of shifting gears just a little bit here that for people who maybe haven't suffered from depression or, or even who I mean, maybe everybody suffered from depression. I don't know. But like people who are like, I I genuinely don't relate to this, Mm -hmm. um, but I know someone who does or I know someone who would. I think it's important to acknowledge that reaching out to friends or family who you think might be struggling or who you are worried about goes a really long way. Even just saying like, hey, how's it going can be enough for a person who's struggling to feel connected and supported, even if they don't respond. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know that like you, you said, you know, you, there were text messages that you didn't respond to and I certainly have am guilty of the same thing. It's just like, I just don't want to do that, but it at least made me feel valued. And I've never been in a place where I've been that depressed that I've not, that i thought that my life wasn't worth living. I've never mm-hmm. been there. So I can't speak to that. So, but I do know that for me, just even having somebody think about me and reach out and say like, Hey, I was thinking about you or Hey, how's it going? Goes a long way. Um, and even if that person doesn't tell you that they're struggling, just like I said, just engaging with them can be huge. And I do have, so there's this guy that I follow on Instagram and he's like fitness guy, um, diet, uh, lots of exercise stuff. He actually just posted a story the other day about how someone reached out to him and asked him, he posted the the direct message string. And I think the way that the person worded it was If he could help somebody who had suffered from depression and considered suicide and the guy's response was pretty basic but it actually made a really huge difference to this person so he said something to the extent of like i'm here for you message me anytime i care about you and here's a here's a phone number for a counselor who you can call if you feel like you need to talk to somebody and i think he he made it i can't remember if it was his counselor or what no number he gave him, but he, he referred him to somebody as well. But he said, you know, you can message me anytime. And then he sent a message to the person the next day and just said, Hey, I've been thinking about you. How are you doing? And the person responded and said that they were doing so much better and thanked him for caring and being kind. And basically said like, you potentially have saved my life. Like all you did was ask me how you're doing, how I'm doing and you potentially saved my life. And wow. to me, that just, it seems so freaking simple Mm -hmm. I'd like to think that a lot of people would have responded the same way, but I'm honestly not sure. Like a Mm -hmm. lot of people would have taken that and just kind of been like, I don't know what to do with this because the Mm -hmm. person was clearly not asking him for fitness help, even though his message could have been misinterpreted that way. But I just think that's a really good example of how simple it can be to make a huge difference for someone who's struggling, even if you don't think that you know what to say, like just Mm -hmm. saying you, you matter. And I'm like, message me anytime I'm here for you. Yes. Even if they never do that makes a huge difference.
1: Absolutely. Um, I'm reminded of a book. I believe it's by Emily McDowell. She has an incredible stationery and Mm. card line. Yeah. And I think the book is when shitty things happen to good people. It's about empathy. Mm -hmm. And I read it last summer, actually when Jeff was newly diagnosed and it gives some great actionable things on what to say in these very difficult conversations. And oftentimes it's not much. Right, and it's the act of listening, and then you know, simple things like you know, different different situations. Obviously, Instagram or, or over social media is one thing, um, but you know, things like helping walk their dog or mm-hmm. make a meal, um, tangible things. So that's a great book too that um, we should share in the yeah, show notes. But I definitely will. That um, that the art of empathy, I think, is an incredible topic.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, so when I worked in labor and delivery, we often, when we dealt with fetal demises, we sent cards to, um, there was a whole like uh, bereavement council and they provided us with a lot of um, tools, like things to give to patients. Um, but we all signed cards for all of these patients and sent them several days after they discharged from the hospital so that they got something in the mail. And everybody was always like, I don't know what to write. You know, what do I say? And I think, I feel like it was a patient who said, it doesn't matter what you write. You just like, just the act of writing something makes a huge mm-hmm. difference. So that's something that's really stuck with me just as I, you know, have friends who have bad things happen to them or bad things happen to the people that they love or they lose loved ones just, and, and I even had this conversation with my dad a couple of weeks ago, one of his friends was diagnosed with, um, stage four brain cancer. And he was like, what do I even say? And I said, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. Just the act of saying like, hey, how's it going? I'm here for you. Buy, buy him some groceries. Take him a meal. Like that yes. goes, it, it just doesn't matter what you say. It's just the fact that you're saying something is
1: more important than what you actually say. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging it because it can feel just really awkward and taboo. And there's a huge elephant in the room, you know, but just acknowledging it helps. And not, not,
0: not talking about it isn't helpful, Mm -hmm. right? Because the person knows it's happening or knows that it did happen. And that makes it even more uncomfortable when you just don't acknowledge it.
1: Yeah. Emily McDowell has some pretty awesome cards for this. Yes. And she uses humor and just real talk and some swear words. And Mm -hmm. I love, who doesn't love getting snail mail? That's one of my favorite things to do is write cards to give them, to receive them. I just love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it can be so simple and you don't have to write much, like you said.
0: Awesome. So this conversation has been so great. Thank you so much for suggesting this idea. Um, And being (laughs) willing to come here and talk about all of this, because I know it's not easy to talk about some of this stuff with random internet strangers that you'll never meet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. I think it's really important. And um, thanks for, you know, being my friend to, you know, allow me onto the show again. And be able to talk about it. So awesome.
0: Anytime. (laughs) And I will be sure to link to all of the ways people can find you and to our previous episode. Um, because that way people can kind of get to know more of your story since we talked about a lot of like your whole 30 journey and all of that stuff with stuff that we talked about before. Um, so if people are interested in that, we can link to those in the show notes, but cleaner Stephanie on Instagram is where you hang out the
1: most. Exactly. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Martha. This was fun.
0: Thank you all so much for listening. I know that we talked about some sensitive and heavy subjects, but we just felt that it was so important to keep the conversation going because these are truly things that don't get talked about enough, but so many people struggle in the area of mental health. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you know someone who might resonate with this conversation, I'd love it if you would share this episode with them. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.